0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to episode one of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, we have Mr. Eric Gant of Manatee Holdings Limited. He has been an aquaculturist since 1988 and is an early adopter in subtitle Ocean Ranching. You will gain insights on how often in business, wisdom comes from good judgment, good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. So if you're on the brink of having to make a wise decision you're experiencing in your business or existing projects at the moment, you will learn a lot from this premier interview. So listen in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In the next episode, I'll be interviewing Mr. Tom Broadley, who is also one of the pioneers in the geoduck aquaculture industry and globally and in Canada. Welcome, Mr. Gant. How are you doing?
1: Very good. It's nice to be here.
0: I'd like for you to share with our audience how you got started in the aquaculture industry.
1: Well, I actually started as a dive fisherman, not an aquaculturist. These are fisheries in which we use underwater divers in order to harvest gourmet foods in the sea, mostly gui duck clams, horse clams, sea cucumber, red and green urchins. At one point in the development of those fisheries, I became concerned that we were starting to over-harvest the stocks. And so I attended a meeting between the Department of Fisheries and Oceans biological managers and the board of directors of the Underwater Harvest Association. It was a formal debate in which the biological managers of DFO took the position that the natural recruitment rate was 1.2%. And the Fishermen's Association had hired a mathematician to take the position that the natural recruitment rate was 1.8%. Now, this doesn't sound like much, but it amounted to millions of dollars in difference in revenue to the fishermen if they won the debate. Now, in the process of listening to this six-hour debate between these two mathematicians, the first thing that I became clear to me was that neither one of them actually knew what the total allowable catch should actually be. They didn't understand the size of the stocks And they certainly didn't understand the natural recruitment rate. It sort of reminded me of the old expression, an engineer thinks that his calculations are a reflection of reality. A physicist thinks that reality is a reflection of his calculations, and a mathematician doesn't care. So it became obvious to me that we needed to change the system of management of how we were harvesting from the ocean. I was reminded of a friend of mine who had gone into a small business as a tree farmer. He had bought a pair of Clydesdale horses, and he was selectively harvesting the best quality log he could find from the forest, from his tree farm, and maneuvering them out of the forest with the minimum amount of damage to sell them, and then planting three seedlings for every tree that he took out. To me, we needed to do something like this in the wild fishery, and that naturally led me towards agriculture.
0: Perfect. My second question is along the lines of the pros and cons of being in the aquaculture industry. I know you have other projects that you are also going into, but maybe give our audience a background on what's the best thing about aquaculture and maybe some of the disadvantages now.
1: Well, I'm a fundamentalist. So the three basic challenges you face in aquaculture is, first of all, you have to learn how to aquaculture the species. And this is tremendously challenging. It can take decades before you're successful. Then the second challenge you have is you have to do it profitably. This can also take years. The third challenge is how do you do this profitably in a way that does not cause damage to the surrounding ecology? I was raised as a hunter in a farming district, and I watched from the forest as farmers clear-cut huge areas of the natural ecology, totally destroying it in order to intensively monoculture one plant or animal for profits. And I saw all of the problems that evolved from that intensive approach. Dust storms that never existed before, parasites, diseases, predators. So I thought we needed to come up with a way to aquaculture that's producing food from the sea in a profitable way but is actually beneficial to the surrounding ecology rather than detrimental. And that's the model, the business model, and the production model, and the environmental model that we have been championing into place for the past 30 years.
0: Thank you about that. I like how you started that with you're a fundamentalist. (laughs) My last question is, what are your top three trends that you're seeing in the next 10 years in this industry?
1: Well, the ocean has a... (sighs) Potential to be able to solve almost all of the macro challenges that we face as a species. There's a wonderful little book that just came out called Seasteading. It's about homesteading the ocean. I'd highly recommend that people read it because there are some surprising solutions in that that will help us deal with virtually everything except the population explosion, which of course we have to deal with ourselves by simply reducing the amount that we breed. But specifically to our species. A trend I see happening in the future is addressing a major challenge, which is referred to nowadays as bioaccumulation. This is where toxins move up in the food chain into a greater and greater concentration. It's very low down at the microalgae level from human nutrient runoff. But as you move up, they get concentrated in the flesh of the predators that feed at every level. So that at the top of the food chain, like tuna or salmon, the concentration is very high, whereas at the bottom of the food chain, like at microalgae level, it's very low. So the solution is a new type of aquaculture called algal culture. And this is where humans are culturing algae and then going through the challenge of turning that algae into tasteful and nutritious human food. Now, in the gooey duck, we don't have to do all of that because the gooey duck does it for us naturally. So it is a species that I think is going to fall into favor far more than it has in the past because it does address this bioaccumulation problem very well. Now, a second trend is that we have to address the nutrient runoff from human occupation along our shorelines. This is creating an artificially high, what they call planktonic blooms. Microalgae is feeding on these nutrients. And that's upsetting the natural ecology of the ocean. Now, if we can plant hundreds of millions of guida clams, and each one grows to over two pounds apiece, and they feed naturally on this microalgae, it's going to help to bring the ocean's natural ecology back into balance. So this is another reason why I think you're going to see a massive increase in the aquaculture of species like guida clams. Now, the third trend is something that personally disturbs me, which is that most aquaculture products feed the rich. And the primary challenge we're facing as a species is how do we feed the poor? I like to think of the guida Clan as the Schmoo of the sea. Now, those of you who aren't old enough to remember little Abner will have to look that up on the internet. It's S-H-M-O-O. He's a great little character. And the GUI that really does duplicate him. He can be presented to the marketplace in a multitude of different ways, just like the schmoo could turn himself into a pork shop or a steak, if that's what you wanted. And he's also very prolific, just as the schmoo was, in virtually every frame of the comic strip. So if we can produce them in a large manner, on a massive scale, we're not only helping the environment, but we're also going to be able to help feed the poor because of economies of scale. Now, I estimate that only 500 hectares is needed in agriculture at a low density that fits into the natural ecology to produce as much geoduck clams as the entire fishery, which needs the, the whole of the coastline of B.C., which is 30,000 kilometers now, based on my experience as a diver, I would estimate that there's well over a 100,000 hectares of ground that could be used to produce aquaculture cooeducts. Once you get up into that scale, then you no longer are just feeding the rich. You're also feeding the poor.
0: I love that. And I would probably normally ask for three questions, but because this is the premier episode, my last question is, In the three decades of experience in the aquaculture industry, what's your favorite mistake or learning? And why do you think that's your favorite?
1: My favorite mistake is what I'm running into more and more as we get away from fundamentals and get living in lifestyles that are actually a simulation of reality than rather than reality. And it was the very first lesson that I learned when I was watching that mathematical debate. Intellectualizing based on mathematical model is no substitute for good judgment that's grounded in reality. And if you want to survive as a as a businessman, you better strive to remove from your own mind these false beliefs that saturate uh, the existence
0: of the human species. Well, thank you very much. My biggest takeaway from this premiere episode is when you were talking about feeding everybody, not just the rich, because Guida is a premium brand, but also the poor. I love that, what you said about that. For the next episode, we'll have Tom Broadley, as I mentioned, who will be talking about how they expanded the aquaculture industry globally. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.